Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. What up, you number one podcast listeners? Welcome in to Prem Brulee's first episode of 2020. I'm your host, Premobot of the Play Call Network. And as you begin your new year, your new decade, strongly with positive changes, please know that the spice levels here won't be changing. We're just as petty as ever. We're keeping that same energy, so stay tuned to learn. About that. Big trust. And it's also important that you remember that football is dead. Football is pain. Football is suffering. And overall, an update on football. Still dead. Congratulations. You played yourself. Before we get to the content, you know the drill. Let's hear from a sponsor real quick. What it do, baby? All right, you number one podcast listeners. I hope you had a fantastic holiday break. Happy New Year. Appreciate you being back with me in 2020. First up, on Yeah Fam or Nah is an NFL rapid fire, and in this particular case, the news of the day are NFL coaching changes. So um, a little quick update here. Um, Washington was the first to act, and they hired Ron Rivera. That clip you heard at the top of this episode just happened to be from his introductory press conference. Um, Rivera has been acting quickly. He hired Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. He was with them in Carolina. And then uh, Jack Del Rio, who most recently worked for ESPN, he's going to be Rivera's defensive coordinator in Washington. Uh, Washington, if you remember, moved on from Jay Gruden midseason. So they were already part of the coaching search. Rivera got fired before season's end in Carolina. They also had an opening, and um, they've recently signed former Baylor head coach Matt Rule to a whopping seven-year contract. Um, it's been reported that it's worth $60 million and up to 70 with incentives. Uh, the Browns fired Freddie Kitchens after just one year as head coach. Going to miss featuring him, and I'm sure Baker won't let us down. He'll still be in You Played Yourself, but... Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. <laughs> the Browns are the last team standing with the head coaching vacancy. The Giants, the same time roughly as the Panthers hired Matt Rule, um, hired former Patriots wide receiver and special teams coach Joe Judge as their new head coach after firing Pat Shermer in his 9-23 and record in two seasons. Uh, the Giants did retain their GM, Dave Gettleman, who's been a fixture on this podcast also. A couple other ones worth noting, the Jaguars decided to stay with Doug Marone, so no coaching change there. And then last but not least, you already know, the Cowboys finally fired Jason Garrett. Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? Finally. And they decided to narrow their head coaching search to coaches with NFL experience. And their list was a whole two candidates long. They interviewed Mike McCarthy and Marvin Lewis. No idea why, but it seems a little fishy that Marvin Lewis was the only other one. And uh, it is likely thought that it was just to satisfy the rooting rule. The Cowboys did sign Mike McCarthy to a five-year coaching deal. A... Huge move. 
obviously, America's team making a coaching change. Mike McCarthy, of course, spent most of his head coaching career in Green Bay, making the playoffs nine out of his 13 seasons there. Um, left with quite a bit of drama. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers calling his offense stale. So uh, hopefully, here's as a Cowboys fan, now hoping he's updated his play calling. And also, his last 1,000-yard rusher was Eddie Lacy in 2014. So uh, here's to hoping he actually uses a one Ezekiel Elliott. McCarthy's moved quickly to assemble quite a coaching staff. He has a couple of former 49ers head coaches on his defensive staff. He hired Mike Nolan, who's most recently a Saints linebacker coach, as his defensive coordinator in Dallas. He also hired Jim Tomsula, who uh, you probably recognize him, or if you Google search him, you'll recognize his face. He had a brief stint as a Niners head coach, but Jim Tomsula will be the defensive line coach. And um, a very exciting move is they reportedly hired John Fossil, goes by Bones, uh, former Rams special teams coach, the same position in Dallas. He's highly regarded, one of the best special teams coaches in the entire league. So it is quite the staff he's accumulating, and it is being reported that he, Mike McCarthy, plans to retain new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore from the previous staff. So uh, Kellen Moore and the other couple coaches that were in contract still, despite Jason Garrett departing, were Kellen Moore, uh, quarterback coach John Kitna, and wide receiver coach Sanjay Lal. Um, So it's unclear for sure beyond Kellen Moore who's staying, but um, quite the staff he has accumulated with John Fossil, Nolan, Tom Sula, and more. So very exciting times. However, as you will recognize later, enjoy this, enjoy this moment. And have- we're not there yet. Congratulations, you played yourself. Um, as for yeah fam or not, um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm a yeah fam, but overall, um, I can't help but brought it up briefly here. But this Rooney rule that was meant to um, have minority candidates considered for head coaching jobs just isn't really panning out this rule was in the early 2000s and we're still at four minority coaches out of 32 um it just seems like these teams are satisfying the rule by interviewing minority candidates but they're not even real in real contention uh the biggest name was eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the kansas city chiefs barely got a look um and then you have someone like Joe Judge, who's a special teams coach in New England and probably deserving in his own right, but someone like that getting an opportunity when when minority candidates aren't afforded that same show of faith to rise from something like a position and special teams coach all the way to a head coach. So um, yeah, fam to the Cowboys selection overall. And I like, at least for right now, the show of faith the Panthers have with Matt Rule. But um, overall, I'd love to see more minority candidates in real contention for these jobs. Um, And I'd love to see more of them in the NFL period. Um, Sticking with the NFL, 
um, some NFL draft news as the bowl season is now almost complete. The underclassmen declaring for the draft are coming through. Um, a, a lot of top names, a lot of familiar faces that we all thought would be declaring um, because of high draft prospects. But anyway, just a couple of names in case you missed any. Um, Ohio State running back J.K. Dobbins, who finished with just over 2,000 yards rushing, a single-season record at Ohio State. And he finished second all-time in career rushing yards at Ohio State, um, which is quite the feat considering the big names that have come through there. Um, Dobbins will likely be a late first, second-round pick maybe. Um, Ohio State cornerback Jeffrey Okuda, a unanimous All-American, declared for the draft. No surprise there. He will likely be a top-five pick and is um, currently being projected around number three to the Lions. A couple of top receivers who fare to be first-round picks and in the top half of the first round, um, Oklahoma wide receiver C.D. Lamb, Alabama wide receiver Jerry Judy, um, another Alabama receiver Ruggs declared he figures to be a mid-first-round pick. Um, Offensive tackle from Bama, Jedrick Willis Jr. declared for the draft, where uh, fellow offensive lineman at Alabama, Leatherwood, um, decided to stay at school for another year. Um, Georgia had a pair of talented studs declare for the draft. No surprise, their offensive tackle Andrew Thomas, who will likely be a top five pick in the top offensive line taken, is going to be heading to the 2020 draft, as is running back DeAndre Swift, who um, a lot of people between DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, and J.K. Dobbins have those three, along with maybe Travis Etienne if he declares from Clemson, as their top running backs taken. So a lot of familiar faces. Um, Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray declared he'll probably be a mid-first-round pick. Uh, Penn State wide receiver K.J. Hamler. Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, despite his hip injury, was forced to kind of make a decision, and he decided to declare for the NFL draft. He'll be a mystery based on his health, but... A lot of people potentially like him at number five to the Miami Dolphins. We'll see what his bill of health shows for that. Injured Alabama linebacker Dylan Moses, who got injured before the season started, decided to return to school for his senior year. Oh, and um, last but not least, I promise I didn't do this on purpose, but Michigan wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones also declared for the draft. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. So some big names, familiar faces from big programs, um, looking to be in the first first round, maybe second round of picks. So a lot of people that even the casual fan will know. Sticking with the draft, the now that the season is now over, the order is now set. The top 20 and now a few teams beyond that is set. Of course, the number one pick goes, belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two is belongs to Washington. Three is the Lions. Four to the Giants. Five to the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins have the St- also have the Steelers' number 18 pick from the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Uh, rounding out the top ten, at number six, the Chargers will pick. The Panthers pick at seven. The Cardinals pick at eight. The Jags at nine. And the Browns at ten. 
Um, a couple other teams of note, the Raiders pick at number 12, and they also will be picking at number 19, uh, which is the Bears pick, thanks to the Khalil Mack trade. And then uh, the Jags, in addition to their number 9 pick, will pick at number 20, um, that pick being from the Jalen Ramsey trade this past season. If you're a fan of a team that's already been eliminated, you've probably already seen a bunch of mock drafts, because why not? Some Got to get something... Got to use something to get through the pain. It's pretty unanimously Joe Burrow at number one of the Bengals as far as mock drafts go. Um, look for Chase Young to go number two to Washington. Um, that's if they keep the pick. If they do trade it, I look for someone like the Dolphins to be the likely trade partner since they have draft capital to to give up with all the trades, the draft picks they've accumulated, and they would need a quarterback. And I, along with a lot of other people, are thinking the Lions, as I said earlier, would take Okuda at number three, uh, whether they keep Slay or not, uh, he would be quite the playmaker to add in the secondary. Um, some other top prospects to consider, uh, Georgia offense tackling Andrew Thomas will probably be in the fold there in the early picks, as will Alabama wide receiver Jerry Judy. I look for him to be the top receiver taken, even over Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb. Another name that you'll hear a lot about is Auburn defense lineman Derek Brown. And we'll hear a lot about what quarterback will be the second person taken. Will it be Tua despite his injury or Oregon's Justin Herbert? So stay tuned for that. Overall, I'm a FM. I eat this NFL draft stuff up. I know a lot of you number one podcast listeners feel the same way. I will be searching mock drafts despite my team not being anywhere too close to the top 10. I love seeing the different things play out and um i'm interested to see if there'll be any trades with those top picks especially with a few teams holding a lot of picks and um some things that they can give up and then don't forget there's a big prospect in line for next year trevor lawrence of clemson will be someone people will be maybe perhaps thinking for and planning for next year so i look for something like that to come into play so i can't wait to see how all this goes and before we know it there'll be the combine and we'll continue to hear more about these drafts i mean fm i'm all in for it and i'm all in for these big prospects i love knowing who these guys are when you're watching the draft um, part of the fun is researching new players you might not have heard of but at least this push the conversation you know that water cooler talk a lot of people will be able to talk about these big names coming from big time programs so you love to see it. All right, it's time for Likey you Know, Likey you Hate It. Likey, I'm sorry, all 12 of you Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. <laughs> but I love the season Jameis Winston had. This man really had 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. He passed for 5,109 yards. It's unfucking real This man really should employ a fantasy football team owner to be his agent because that's how he's going to get big money. 33-30 and over 5,000 yards passing. That's going to be a trivia question someday, and it is fucking hilarious. I'd imagine it's pretty infuriating as a Buccaneers fan, but we all love to see it. My no likey goes to... Top NBA big man prospect and now former Memphis Tiger James Wiseman leaving the school. Um, Wiseman signed with an agent and began preparing for the NBA draft. 
So a quick recap, the NCAA suspended Wiseman, who was originally ruled ineligible because of an $11,500 gift that Penny Hardaway gave him for moving expenses. Um, This was before Hardaway became the Memphis coach and recruited him. That decision of that suspension and ineligibility was then changed to a 12-game suspension. And the ruling stipulated that he had to pay the original $11,500 to a charity of his choice. Um, Wiseman was due to return to action in mid-January. Um, let me be clear, first of all. This is absolutely not a no-likey to Wiseman. I mean, good for him. Go get paid. Don't wait around for this NCAA bullshit. But this no-likey goes directly to the NCAA for their stupid-ass ruling. Their stupid-ass system. They don't deserve to make money off Wiseman, and they're ultimately playing themselves from having marquee talent with useless penalties like this one. Congratulations, you played yourself. It's them exercising their stupid power. It's like when they turn down immediate eligibility with certain people in football, in other sports, but don't with others. They're ultimately going to hurt their product and their product alone, so they deserve this. I'm a no-lucky, though, for us as fans and us as college basketball consumers because they're making it less and less likely that top talent goes and even spends one year at college. Now, I would love for the rule to change back to being high school eligible because at least kids will be able to make their decision and not even have to bother with this dated system. But the NCAA is stopping their existing crop. You're already seeing players go play overseas. You're seeing players take a year off, declare for the G League. I'm all for it. Go get paid. Go do what you got to do to make money because the NCAA and their bullshit rules are not worth the time. I got a couple of hate hits. Um, first hate it is uh, rest in peace to Coach Herman Boone, the real life coach whom Denzel Washington famously played in Remember the Titans, passed away at the age of 84 in December. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. One of my favorite movies, the character Denzel plays, Denzel did half the job that Herman Boone was. Rest in peace to a legend. Um, Keeping in that same unfortunate category, um, rest in peace to former NBA commissioner David Stern, who passed away at the beginning of the year after suffering a brain hemorrhage in mid-December. Stern took over the NBA in 1984, serving as commissioner for 30 years. Um, He helped, a couple of things worth noting, he helped bring the NBA back from near bankruptcy. He uh, ushered in a new era of great success in the NBA. And despite having multiple work stoppages, he repaired the league's image. Um, Stern was commissioner when the NBA became a marketing powerhouse of their star players. He encouraged famously NBA players to compete in the Olympics for the first time. Uh, That happened in 1992, paving the way for the beloved Dream Team. Stern's highlights also include bringing in a gigantic market, uh, that being China, after Yao Ming became the number one overall pick for the Rockets in 2002. Um, and those are just a few things of note amongst many. 
So rest in peace to a legend. The NBA we see now wouldn't be the same without David Stern. Those were kind of heavy. So on a lighter note, I hate it goes to players that are hurt or rested to end the regular season in the NFL. Um, we've all been there. But when an injury costs us a fantasy football championship, that's where I feel I need to provide a voice to the voiceless and all of us playing our tiny violins and complaining about winning money in fantasy football. I'm here with you. I'm here to shed those those tears with you. So a big hate it goes especially this year to Mike Evans and Dalvin Cook. I know these one or both cost some of you out there a fantasy football victory and I feel for you. All right, Joker, you know what time it is. That's right. It's time for You Played Yourself. My favorite category, your favorite category. Without further ado, let's get started. So first up, on You Played Yourself, uh, Patrick Mahomes beat up on the Chicago Bears um, towards the end of the regular season, and Mahomes was sure to count to 10 on his two hands to let the Bears know what pick he was selected at and how they passed on him in exchange for trading up for Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, sound it. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. And approved. Didn't know old ketchup and steak had it in him. <laughs> Props to you, Mahomes. Uh, next up on You Played Yourself, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks played the Lakers recently. Um, they were super pumped about it. Giannis put a fake crown on his head. I'm guessing to symbolize he's the king and not LeBron. Um, the Bucks taking this regular season win over the Lakers two extra. It actually reminds me of how the Celtics and Raptors used to be with LeBron when he was in the East. Let this serve as notice. You played yourself in advance. I just need you to know. Enjoy this. Enjoy this moment. And have fun with it. If you're a fan of these teams and you're investing too much in these regular season matchups, you know, bless you. I I wish you the best, you know? I would love that, you know, childlike sense of wonder to be able to take this regular season game and just assume you're going to do the same when it comes April, May, and June. But, you know, you just continue your blissfully unaware. I don't mean to rain on your parade. You know, it's a new year, so it's new me. Yeah, fucking right. Please allow me to catch my breath before I talk about the Dallas Cowboys. It's what you've all been waiting for. I know it is, so here we go. (laughs) A lot happened since we shut down for 2019 and came back, so I thought it'd only be right that we start this year on a positive note. And so you guys know that your number one podcast is still here for you. Still here keeping that same petty energy. Anyway. Of fucking course, the Cowboys would follow up their best game with their worst, right? A 17-9 loss to the Eagles with everything on the line. Why wouldn't they fucking blow chunks? Why wouldn't they go against everything that worked so well just a week before? 
Why wouldn't the Cowboys have two 1,000-yard receivers in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, a 1,000-yard rusher in Ezekiel Elliott, and a top-passing QB in Dak Prescott? Why wouldn't they also have the number one offense in the league, yet still manage to finish 8-8? Eight and eight? Why fucking not? The goddamn fourth leading rusher, the second leading passer, and two top 20 receivers. Equals 8-8 eight eight to me, doesn't it? Why wouldn't they choose not to run the ball behind their highly paid and invested offensive line and their top paid running back, Ezekiel Elliott, on two Count them. Two different third and ones. Why wouldn't they sub out their top wide receiver, whom they spent a first round pick on for a crucial fourth down play with the game on the line? Why fucking wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they then in turn put in two tight ends? Not even arguably one of the worst position groups on their team. Probably the worst. Instead of said receivers. Why wouldn't they lose every single fucking game they've trailed at halftime all year? Why not? Why wouldn't a secondary of the Eagles that sucked all year totally be allowed to shut down the aforementioned two top 20 wide receivers? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't the Cowboys coaching staff be the only people on this fucking planet to not know that Carson Wentz was going to love throwing to his running backs and tight ends and that maybe leaving them wide open on checkdowns and hot routes wasn't a wise defensive strategy. Why wouldn't the Cowboys finish the season with a plus 113 point margin better than every other team other than Baltimore San Francisco, New England, Kansas City, and New Orleans. But an 8-8 eight and eight fucking record. 8-8. Eight and eight. Plus 113 equals an 8-8 eight eight record. A top passer, two top receivers, a top running back equals 8-8. Eight eight. Equals fucking 8-8. Eight in a division where 9-7 and seven won. And why wouldn't? Why the fuck not? Wouldn't the Cowboys have been 13-3 and three if every single one of their one-score games had been flipped? Congratulations. You played yourself. Well, you know, at least we're on the bright side here, right? At least they got a better NFL draft pick, right? Oh, you mean that highly coveted number 17 pick, right? Get the fuck out of here. You know, someone asked me, do you want the Cowboys to make the playoffs? And I said, of fucking course I do. I don't want the fucking Eagles to make it. And lo and behold, the Cowboys missed the playoffs in the worst possible way and then finished in the worst possible way. The worst thing you can do in the NFL is be middle of the road and miss the playoffs because they're in the fucking bottom half of picks despite missing the playoffs. Was it worth it? That extra four spots? Eagles won a division and had an opportunity to go far in the playoffs. Maybe if not for an injury to their quarterback. You don't think the Cowboys would have afforded that same opportunity? The fuck out of here. Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck being a fan of them. 
Here's to hoping Jerry Jones finally shuts his goddamn mouth. Congratulations, you played yourself. (laughs) And lets Mike McCarthy run the fucking team. Because God knows he, he meddled too much. And here's to hoping Mike McCarthy doesn't fucking clap for grown men playing sports. Like a fucking little league coach. Here's to hoping for once, for fucking once, Stephen A. Smith gets to shut the fucking hell up. Let's fucking hope. Please, football gods. What the fuck did I do to you? Okay. Before I begin to unload upon the ridiculousness that was the college football playoff semifinal Fiesta Bowl, I need to make a couple things clear to all you idiots out here either thinking you're smart and on some high horse or thinking like an idiot and making fans look bad. First, for the smart-assed, half-assed fans, for those that don't complain and somehow consider yourself on the same level as a real fan, for those of you on your high horse, I just need you, first of all, to know that how fun you think you are at parties, I promise you, no one feels the same. I promise you, if you're too good as a sports air quote fan to complain, yeah, nobody fucking likes that. If you don't complain about officiating or things you find unfair, please show me those fucking press credentials that got you into calling the game on radio or TV. Also, please show me your fan card so I can throw it in the fucking shredder. Don't you dare call yourself a fan. That's an insult to us who really are, who really are passionate. Oh, great, you can look at things fairly. Oh, great, you can also go fuck yourself. Learn how to watch a fucking game as a fan. Next, my fellow fans. I love y'all. There's a fine line. The conspiracy theory bullshit. It looks, it smells. Don't step in it and ruin your shoes, fam. So, Mike Golick Jr. tweeted about an OSU fan saying Chase Young should have returned to school after a couple of quiet games. Fam, don't don't be an idiot. Don't, Don't make us look bad. That's just dumb. In that particular example, Chase Young's been double and triple teamed. He's been getting hands to the face with no calls. Just relax. And then those of you claiming the NCAA, ESPN, all powers to be wanted Clemson in the national championship instead of Ohio State, just shut your dumb asses up. Can we keep it to logical arguments so people don't consider us completely off the wall? And so maybe those fucking people on high horses aren't necessarily on Clydesdales. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that an Ohio State... LSU matchup might have been one of the best rated national championships in history. The storylines for Burrow versus his old team, the number one versus number two, the best two resumes, Big Ten versus SEC, the two teams that flip flop in the rankings every week, that would be they would be incredible. And I don't even mean this as a slight to Clemson. There's no doubt in my mind the storylines would be better with Ohio State LSU. So 
when you as a fan make points that are this asinine, you make the rest of us look bad. You make all complaints moot when you say, when you take it to these levels. Stop fucking claiming there's this conspiracy. And then stop saying stupid shit like Chase Young shouldn't go be the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Now that that's out of the way, come in close. Especially you, you fucking high horsers. Ohio State got absolutely robbed of a national championship spot. Absolutely robbed. Anyone that says otherwise... Congratulations, you played yourself. I'm sure I'll care a lot about your opinion. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. First, let's talk about that targeting call that totally shifted momentum in the game. Everyone knows the hit. Sean Wade, who by the way decided to return to Ohio State. Big, big keep for Ohio State. So Sean Wade sacked Trevor Lawrence on fourth down in the second quarter. There was no call on the field. Trevor Lawrence proceeded then to roll around on the turf, submitting the film, I can only assume, to be considered for the Academy Awards Best Actor. Um, The call was then reviewed. Uh, Sean Wade was penalized for targeting and ejected from the game. Just to give you an idea of the momentum changing, uh, this from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. He's at ESPN Rittenberg. From at ESPN Stats Info, before the targeting call against Buckeyes, Sean Wade, Clemson had no points and averaged 4.3 yards per play. After the call, Clemson had 29 points and averaged 8.4 yards per play. Fine. You think by the letter of the law, that's targeting. You're wrong, but think what you want. A 6'6", Trevor Lawrence lowering his head to the point where a 6'1", Sean Wade, who's going in full speed, lower to the ground, gets called for targeting. Watch the fucking tape. If that's targeting and warranting ejection, how is it equal to some of the other ones we've seen, including one that was put side-by-side in the other college football semifinal game in the Oklahoma-LSU game? You want a bullshit penalty? Fine. You're still wrong, but ejecting a guy? Are y'all going to refund Sean's parents for making the trip to Arizona? The Buckeyes were up 16 to nothing at the time. Ready to get the ball back around midfield. Instead, Clemson's drive continued, and they cut the lead to 16-7. Next, you know what's coming. The catch, fumble, and defensive touchdown that wasn't. And if you even dare question this one, I have some optometrist recommendations for you that I really think is in the best interest of your well-being. In the third quarter, Justin Ross caught a pass from Trevor Lawrence. Jeff Okuda makes a tackle, strips the ball, after Ross takes about three or four steps with the ball. Um, Ohio State safety Jordan Fuller recovered it and took it in the end zone for a defensive and go-ahead touchdown. Everything good. Refs called it correct on the field. OSU got a big score when momentum was not going their way. Then, this genius SEC officiating crew overturns the call. They found fucking indisputable evidence out of thin air from the land of make-believe 
to overturn, overturn, over-fucking-turn the call on the field. Indisputable video evidence. Not only was the evidence confirming of the fumble, they found video evidence somehow what they watched was enough to overturn said call. Okay, you don't believe my biased, you know, Ohio State forward opinion, right? Too biased to make a, to not let this get too spicy. All right, let's turn to the experts. Terry McCauley was an NFL veteran official. He is the Sunday Night Football Rules expert. He's at SNF Rules. He tweeted the following. This is a great angle. There's absolutely no way replay should have reversed quote, indisputable video evidence, is simply not there. The incoming national supervisor of officials and Big Ten supervisor of officials, Bill Corallo, said that the fumble return for touchdown should have stood in the Ohio State-Clemson game. So, any of you saddled atop your high horses? You still up there? Or did you also, in the meantime while I was talking, get a referee certification to show me too? I sincerely mean this. Like, if you were denying that that was, shouldn't have been reversed, I sincerely mean for you to go get your eyes checked. And in the meantime, while you're scheduling that, to go fuck yourself. The nerve of these fucking high horse people, by the way, thinking we don't realize that both things can be true, that the Buckeyes had opportunities that they let slip away, and that poor officiating cost them dearly and substantially. We are fucking aware that J.K. Dobbins, as much as he was responsible for us being in the game, also dropped two touchdown passes. We're fucking aware you can't settle for field goals against a good team like Clemson. We're fucking aware the Buckeyes should have never gone for a punt block with Clemson punting from their own end zone, already destined to have us get the ball back in midfield. We're fucking aware we still had a great opportunity to win the game on the last drive, if not for a miscommunication by Justin Fields and Chris Olave. But most of fucking all, we're all really fucking aware that the referees had two outrageously missed calls that played just as huge of a role in a 29-23 loss as all the other things I said. Everything can be true. It's not one or the other. Yes, all that coach speak, there's plenty of game left to be played. The referees flat out took six points off the scoreboard. We lost by six points. That is... Fucking black and white. It's as black and white as those fucking stripes on the referee's shirt that they so desperately thought everyone tuned in to watch. And also, those of you searching for silver linings, it's too fucking soon. This loss is too painful. Read the fucking room. We're not over it. We might never be. There's a reason they're called silver linings. Because second place is the fucking first loser. You ain't first, you're last. On that note, it's time for who you got and what you feeling. Last episode, to finish out 2019, of course I made the pick for the Cowboys and Eagles NFC East showdown. You know, I, I picked the Eagles. 
the team that's caused me so much pain in the Cowboys, why wouldn't they let me down? And the result, true to my prediction, to a T, I was unfortunately right. Fuck me and fuck Cowboys Nation, right? Right, team? You fucking hot boys, right? Talk all that talk. Everybody doubting us, everybody hating on us, only to lay a fucking egg, right? Fuck us. I made my pick for the college football playoffs. I went with the top two seeds, Ohio State and LSU. We all know the result by now. The referees took this correct prediction away, so it'll be uh, number one LSU versus number three Clemson in the national championship. All right, and for this week, pretty obvious here. First up in my picks is the college football national championship, number one LSU versus number three Clemson. Um, This game is... In New Orleans, a virtual home game for LSU. They are favorites by five and a half points. Of course, LSU beat Oklahoma 63-28 to behind a dominant performance from Joe Burrow. And their entire offense, also Jefferson at wide receiver. Um, Does Clemson have the personnel to cover LSU's three great wide receivers? So my pick for the game, I mean, whatever. LSU, who gives a shit? Football's dead. Football's pain. That's all we know. As for the NFL playoffs, wanted to make my picks for who will be in the NFC Championship and AFC Championship. Um, of course, the matchups are as follow. Uh, we had a couple surprising results over this past weekend. Um, both three seeds went down. The Saints lost to the Vikings. And, uh, of course, the Patriots, whose dynasty might be over. We'll probably talk about that and digest that as the offseason continues. The Vikings, who are the sixth seed, will play... The 49ers, um, which means the Seahawks, who beat the Eagles narrowly, despite Carson Wentz going down. The Seahawks will travel to Green Bay to face the Packers. Um, over in the AFC, the aforementioned Titans, who were the sixth seed, travel to Baltimore. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in B-more outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. They play the Ravens. If you want to feel bad about yourself, uh, Lamar Jackson. Woo, woo, Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Just turned 23 years old, so have fun with that one. And uh, the Texans behind a huge comeback win over the Bills at home. Funny enough, they're the only home team to win. Um, but the Texans travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs, a team that they beat in the regular season. As for my picks, they're nothing special. I'm sticking with the top seeds across the board. I think the 49ers beat the Vikings. Their improbable run stops with the Niners' defense. I think the Seahawks' lack of health at running back finally catches up to them, and uh, well-rested Packers win. So I'm going Niners and Packers out of the NFC. And out of the AFC, I am picking the Ravens and Chiefs. It's hard to beat a team twice in a season, Um, so I like the Chiefs over the Texans, and then uh, the Ravens are just too good, so... I think the Titans' improbable run ends here too. So definitely would fit the mold of recent history in that only top two seeds have made the Super Bowl in recent history. So um, keep an eye on that, whether that continues. As for what I'm feeling, had a lot to work with here. So bear with me here. What I'm feeling, uh, first off, is getting to see the last Star Wars movie. Um, Also, I got a couple show recommendations for you number one podcast listeners of course in between the weekly drops of prem brulee what it do baby uh, mr robot first of all what a final season of that 
And my brother-in-law got me into The Morning Show. It is a show on Apple TV. Um, I know everybody doesn't have access to that, but if you have a way to watch that, it is fantastic. And most importantly, getting to spend the holidays away from work with family and friends. Um, special shout out to my people Stephen and Jess and then Kelly and Scott for getting married over the holidays. So definitely feeling all the family and friends time. Not that I didn't miss you, number one podcast listeners. Same deal. Too much sense to end the episode. The advice that you didn't ask for, but I'm going to give you anyway. Um, I feel like I have to do this every year, but it's worth reminding. So if you're someone who's complaining about your gym being crowded because of New Year's resolutioners, I mean this in all sincerity, you probably need a New Year's resolution for your attitude. Nobody wants a hating ass person in 2020. Let's save that for the sports world and for your boy. Let's let people try to better themselves. If you're someone starting up at the gym this year, I love it. Congrats on working to better yourself. I hope you continue. I know some New Year's resolutions flame out. I hope that you are not one of them. Even if you're not one of these people, remind people around you. It's a good thing people are working to better themselves. A little crowded gym never hurt anybody. We all had to start somewhere too. And that wraps up another edition of the number one podcast in your headphones, Prem Brulee. I've been your host, Prem Obad of the Play Call Network. Appreciate you tuning in for the first episode of 2020. Looking to have an amazing year full of spicy content. I appreciate you. You know the drill. Please continue listening, subscribing, writing reviews, telling people about the podcast. Every little bit helps. Please check out all the other amazing podcasts from the Play Call Network. And we will talk to you next time.